When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. I'm Emrys Kennedy as we look ahead to Gold Cup Day in the company of Racing Post NAPS Champion 2020 Rory DeLarge, who is continuing to slay it and we're straight in with the Norfolk Stakes. So Fast Five and uh, once again we've got Wesley Ward represented uh, on this occasion heavily represented uh, to Nakatomi who Peter Fornatal in the previous podcast was very keen on uh, the betting is headed currently by Johnny Velasquez on Lucci and uh, Kadamaso for Aidan O'Brien who comes here as uh, the Acropolis has already won the Coventry <coughs> we think <laughs> Rory what is your thoughts on the group two Norfolk stakes over the flying five my initial thoughts on this is what's the ground going to be now that's a very very that, good a, question that, yeah so how has the forecast changed so we recorded on sunday night uh the forecast for tuesday and wednesday is for good possibly good to firm ground we know they're going to water but there's a change in the air so what is the status of the ground that you think by the time we come to gold cup day the weather forecast i saw this morning um suggested um, quite a lot of rain on Thursday morning. Uh-oh. Now, I just looked at that again, and it now suggests a hell of a lot of rain for Friday afternoon. Um, so that, that potentially changes things. Yeah. Um, there is the, 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 there's a suggestion of showers um, from Wednesday night, but you know uh, the question is when if that rain's going to materialize and when it's going to materialize. And that has changed. That's changed markedly in the last couple of hours. Because uh, as I said, I looked at that. Well, I looked at that when we spoke um, yesterday and the the uh, the forecast was for over an inch of rain on Thursday morning before racing. Uh, but as I look at the same uh, site, I've got more rain, more rain, but not for a full day uh, and slightly more than that after it was originally predicted for, which could change things um, markedly, uh, mainly because I really fancy two soft ground horses on Thursday. Well, we still want to hear about them, but it's another example of taking a long-range forecast with a, just a little bit of degree of trepidation. Like They were completely wrong for Epsom. The going that they forecast for Epsom was totally wrong. And... Um, the fact that it's changed dramatically so quickly today tells you pretty much all that you need to know. But let's let's go. Let's um, let's assume that the going is good for Gold Cup Day. And uh, with that in mind, who do you like in the Norfolk? Uh, the Norfolk doesn't look at, it, it doesn't look a particularly strong race from from the point of view of the home challenge. Um, lots of interesting horses in here, but most of them have other entries at the meeting. Um, some of them already declared. So the likes of Ebro River. Who's dropped up here is already ready um, declared for the Coventry. 
uh, Tiberi Sunset, I think, is is in the uh, the Windsor Castle, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Nymphadora, um, she's in the in the Queen Mary, uh, and it's not that easy getting a handle on it. Although there are horses in here who've only got the one uh, the one possibility here, who um, potentially overpriced because the firms have got a number of horses in the market who, who won't be running, um, and they may have missed the trick with that. So. Um, there might be there might be a few in there who overpriced the likes of. Uh, he was a winner on debut for for Brian Spart. Um, he's only got, as far as I'm aware, the one entry. Um, he's jocked up here. Um, he's quite interesting. I think he's he's fourteen sixteen to one. Uh, interesting at that because Project Dante um, with uh, Gremlin yeah. on board. Yeah, so he's he's quite interesting. But if the, if the going isn't the saw, I'd be pretty keen on the chance of the Catamaster. Excellent. Um, and a sea of blue and odds checker. Yeah, when he was, um, he was a winner on debut uh, at uh, Dundalk. Um, so there's obviously, you know, question mark about him on turf. But I think, you know, when the horses are ready to run, um, and when he did run, he ran in April, when there wouldn't have been that many opportunities to run on turf. Uh, and if you were running on turf at that stage, it would have been, it would have been pretty uh, testing turf as a rule. So he was uh, impressive in winning uh, by three and a half length from Silver Surfer. I'd imagine he wore a tongue tie there. He'd probably wear one here, but obviously not, they don't have decks yet, which complicates that from, from our point of view. He's not really um, bred to, to handle much softer ground, but if the, rain, if the rain misses it, he'd obviously be very interesting. Um, you've obviously got some, uh, got the. Um, the Wes uh, Ward angle uh, through most of the uh, the juvenile races. Uh, Lucci put in his favourite. Uh, Nakatomi, uh, a couple of points bigger than that. I thought Lucci didn't look. It's it's very hard getting the handle from this side of the uh, of the pond on how good the the Ward horses are. They always look good when they win by a wide margin on their on their US debuts or for the those of them who just needed a spin on their second starts. Um, but it's not always easy to see how that will slot in here. Um, in terms of what he achieved, Lucci wasn't as impressive as, as one or two of West Ford's um, runners this week. Um, and he seems a short price. Um, John Velasquez on board. Not There's very little between them in terms of form. And you would argue that Nakatomi is the more interesting of the pair. Um, he's had plenty of time between that debut, um, which came back in the... Uh, the middle of April at Keeneland, uh, when he won by uh, two and a quarter lengths from Happy Soul. Again, that's not easy for him to work out. Uh, but typical Wes Ward, Blinkered for debut, won that pretty impressively. I think the most important thing with him is that he's had um, those nine weeks uh, to progress since. Was he gelded before debut or has he been gelded since? He ran on debut as a full happy horse. He will run at Royal okay. Ascot as a gelded horse. Yeah, that's um, that's not a massive concern. And to be honest, gelding, gelding these uh, reasonably early tends to help them help them grow. And uh, to be honest, I think we prob- we're probably pretty slow about gelding horses um, here. You know, the, uh, knowing that such a small percentage of them will go on to be commercial sires. If you've got a um, if you've got a sprinting two um, it's probably beneficial to them fairly early. Uh, so he's interesting, but again, it's not it's not easy to work out the form. Um, so my I end up coming down on um, on Caramosto, but obviously you you'd have heard um, Pete Fornatal uh, talk about the, the word runners and you'll know an awful lot more than me. So 
if he's super sweet on, on uh, Nakatomi, um, then um, don't be uh, don't be ignoring um, his wise words. Wise words indeed. And we have a huge American audience. And thank you very much to everybody for tuning in. And I have absolutely no doubt that that is all based on uh, Peter Fornatel and Naomi Tucker's fantastic work. And Peter will be here for a review. His talk about uh, Nakatomi is more about the price um, than, than anything else. And he, like you, is not concerned about the gelding operation in the slightest. But very interesting that you're interested in Catamoso and who was represents the stallion who won this race back in 2013 for the aforementioned Wesley Ward and Nakatomi. Uh, the Hampton Court. Now, this is a bit of a mess because, as you were saying with the weather forecasts, like AccuWeather are saying there's possible, there's a yellow warning for thunderstorms and 3.6 millimeters of rain, which wouldn't affect the ground, from Wednesday 6 p.m. to Friday 6 a.m. But earlier on today, you were reading a reliable website that gave a completely different indication, and they've now changed that to, oh, no, it's going to be fine. So it's a bit of a mess. Um, so if you could sum it up in one minute for us. We've got the horse who was yeah, drawn from, from the derby. Uh, presumably, this would be a, an easier race. But I remember when you talked about the derby on the Final Forum podcast, you mentioned him and said, a little bit concerned about the fact that they took him out at the 11th hour. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that um, that he wants really fast ground. Um, and if there's, if there's no rain, then Mohafeth would look like a, yeah, <coughs> would look like a really solid bet in this, where, you know, look, look have a, a very strong chance um, based on his really easy win in the new market stakes. Uh, on the other hand, if we had heavy rain in the morning before the race, I think he would be a non-runner. Um, and that changes, that changes the race. If you think he's coming out of the race, um, then there's value to be had backing one or two against him. Moving time is the horse that I like. Um, he doesn't need soft browns. He's only won a maiden, but I think he's improving um, rapidly. Uh, the horse he beat in his maiden uh, won by six lengths himself next time out. Um, I like him. Uh, if you did think it's going to be very soft, there are one or two others with soft brown form at bigger prices uh, that I wouldn't put you off. But given that... Um, uh, the chances of that massive downpour now seem considerably less likely. I'm not inclined to play the soft round angle in the race. And if Mohafath if was in, I'd have a fairly neutral view of that. Okay. I would be in agreement with you. I think it's a mess of a race. The Ribblesdale, on the other hand, though, when we talk about the Phillies, is a much clearer picture, uh, particularly when you've got Noonstar in as favourite. A lot was expected of this filly heading into the Oaks trial at York for the Sir Michael Stout team. She ended up missing the Oaks, comes here instead. James Doyle is on board. Uh, Eshada, two runs, two wins uh, for Roger Varian and Jim Crowley is your second favourite at fours. And then uh, Dubai Fountain, who got destroyed by Snowfall from Mark Johnston and William Buick. A 13-day turnaround for her. Uh, Frankie DeTore is back with John and Teddy Gosden. In the uh, Nielsen colours, which of course you'll be sporting in the Gold Cup, which we'll talk about in a few minutes' time. Is this race a clearer picture to you? Are you a little bit more nope. confident? <laughs> it's a little. It's a little clearer. Um, it shouldn't. Noonstar shouldn't be affected by the um, uh, by the absence of rain or the presence of rain. She's won on soft ground at Nottingham, um, and it's been good uh, when she won her uh, her novice at Weatherby, in which she beat the Lingfields Oaks trial winner back into fourth. So that, that does look like good form. And obviously her um, her second in the Mew store has been well-franked yeah. um, by the winner bolting up in the Oaks. So she's 
she's pretty obvious on that basis. She did have a setback, though, which saw her miss the oath. They didn't just decide to go here instead. Uh, so that's, that's worth bearing in mind. Um, I would have been inclined at the prices to give Dubai Fountain another chance. Um, she just ran too bad to be true um, at Epsom. And obviously the filly that, that she beat at Chester also ran badly there. And I think most people are, are taking the view that, oh, the Chester form must be no good. There's no way, there's no way the way she ran at Chester and the way um, Zayada ran are in any way connected with how they ran at Epsom. Um, so I'm, I'm inclined to write, write them off uh, completely. And for whatever reason, she just didn't give her her running there. She's got very solid form. Her 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 um, fourth in the Phillies mile last year is is rock solid. Um, we know she stays. She stays at the eleven and a half furlongs to Chester, um, and she's quite a big price. She's eight to one. Again, the worry with her is she does want soft ground. Um, she she maybe doesn't want it hop deep, but her very best efforts uh, have come with, with digging the ground. That said, you know she was she was second in the in the uh, the May Hill at Doncaster last year and good firm. So it's not gonna. She's not going to be a non-runner if the ground turns, um, if the ground stays quick, um, but it it just hampers her chances slightly. But I think even at eight to one, I think she's an each way better than the race um, because she's. Um, uh, as I said, I, I I've seen plenty of fillies bob out completely in the Oaks and Bites by, including you know several winners of this race um, have um, have come here having not covered themselves in glory at Epsom, and it doesn't bother me enormously. I don't think she's the likeliest winner of the race. But I think if she, if you're getting eight to one about her, she certainly makes more appeal to me than um, than Ashada. Um, you know, Ashada beat Gloria Monday last time. I both of them are, are are engaged here. That doesn't look particularly strong form to me. It's only it was a it was a, a modestly run listed race, and I don't believe for a second it's um it's especially strong form. Um, in fairness, the two fillies who were who filled the places there are lightly raced improving sorts. Uh, from yards who, who you know know how to get them ready for Ascot, so I'd respect them on that basis. But it's difficult to know how good the form is. The two, the, the three who've run um, since um, have run okay without without um, setting the world alight. Sea Empress was favourite for that and was only sixth. She won next time out, but she didn't um, uh, she didn't show uh, form that was up to up to uh, um, pattern standard. She she won narrowly enough. In a novice race at Chelmsford when she was long odds on, so I'm not sure that anything's done enough in that form to suggest that Ishada and Gloria Monday should be single figure prices here. Yeah, I would agree, and I think personally, I think the favourite's going to take a lot of beating. Noonstar, as long as she's okay, and James Savage can tell us more. He's on the day five preview, but he will go back. Uh, so he, the day five preview will be out before the first race, so he'll give us the talking points points about the Sir Michael Stout yard. I just wondered from the perspective of a place bet on Tote with the Whirlpool and the, the 10% bonus with Tote Plus, as long as you're betting with Tote.co.uk, Tote.e, the official Tote app. If nicest, is way too big a price at 66s. And then I realized, oh, she's not 66s anymore. She's down to 33s with most firms, but you can get 50s two respectable ones but she's closing I just wonder if she's she's a horse who's capable of running a much much bigger race because I know that Donica thinks an awful lot of her so um, nicest would be on my radar as as an each way bet but I would favour Noonstar and probably play some form of an exacta to the Gold Cup feature race feature race of the week back in the day Rory and Stradivarius it it remains the feature race of the week 
Yes. Whether you like it or not. Of course it, of course it does. Of course it does. Um, and look, in this instance, may very well be so, because Stradivarius bids to join Yates as a four-time winner of this race, which would make him a five-time winner at Royal Ascot overall, because, of course, he took the Queen's Vaz as well. So this is fascinating. Uh, well done to Connections for keeping him in training. But we learned last year how difficult it can be to keep older horses in training. And we'll see how this plays out. Um, he's come out and had a prep run, which was at Ascot. And um, he was very impressive that day, beating Ocean Wind. Uh, and he is a, an odds-on favorite. 10 to 11 is about the best you're going to do. Subjectivist, 11 to 2. Trushan, he would benefit from rain if it comes. Eights. Uh, Spanish Mission, 10s. Santiago, 12s. Tiger Moth is still... In, he's not running. And Aidan O'Brien has told us on this show he has no intention of running him over two miles again. Stop pricing him up for races. Stop leaving him in races. Yes. <laughs> stop, stop pricing him up for races. That A, he's not entered in. And B, that is not a trip that they plan to run him over. They think he's a 10, 12 furlong horse. Serpentine supplemented. The Derby winner. And I think Rory would know this better than me, but I think it's 40 years since the Derby winner has come out and won the Gold Cup. But we'll see. As Serpentine is supplemented for the lads. Uh, and Aaron Naveen has taken a wild drift in the market way out to 40s after disappointing last time out. So is this a case of Stradivarius is going to be himself blowing kisses to the crowd while Frankie downs a, a bottle of Moet with the 12,000 people who are there and um, just has a good old time for himself? Or is is he vulnerable? Is he a vulnerable favourite, in which case we should be taking him on? Um, what's your take on the Gold Cup? Again, um, the weather is is crucial here. We know he can win a soft crowd. He did, um, he did last year. Um, although, you know, again, there, there were plenty of horses with fast fine form winning at Ascot last year, um, despite, despite the rain that fell on the eve of the meeting. Um, and he was well beaten at Ascot later in the season um, behind Trushan. I think Trushan uh, on, on softish ground is a better horse than Stradivarius, which is a, uh, a very bold call. I'm suggesting he's better in the grand scheme of thing over the years because Stradivarius has proved himself a great. Um, but Trushan is one of those rare horses who I think can, can um, set a relentless gallop at the Gold Cup trip and keep it up. And Stradivarius hasn't really met a horse quite like that before, unless it's been a slow poke like DXB. Um, and I'd be very, very, very keen on, on uh, Trushan here yes. with any ease on the ground. If but, it's you know, good to Good to firm ground becomes becomes a uh, a sticking point. Yeah, <coughs> he doesn't get, need the mud. He'd get he away with good. Very impressive in the mud in the mud at uh, at Ascot in October. Um, but however you watch that race, um, you know he was enormously impressive, um, and the form is is, is rock solid. Um, you can make excuses, obviously, for for Stradivarius end of a long season. Uh, he was he was very disappointing, um, but. I think the performance put up by Trushan was better than anything Shadowberries did last season. And the question is, if they met in the Gold Cup uh, on on different grounds, whether you would get the same kind of result. But I do. I thought that was um, I thought that was a proper Group One performance from from Trushan. Um, my body ran really well on his return. Bear in mind, he was giving weight away to, uh, 
yeah. over a trip short of his best and with nothing to really pull him through the race either. Um, I thought he also shaped like the I thought he shaped like the best horse in the day. He just give he just gives Japan something to shoot at. Um but that was a that was a good performance. He's gonna come forward for it. He's he's perfectly happy on good ground. But obviously, if it was very fast, that that does suit um Stradivarius. But Stradivarius has, has won all his races by utilizing a turn of foot. Um he stays, he settles so well that he stays pretty much any trip. And then he can he can show that turn of foot against horses who are not as quick as him. Um, he's fully effective at a mile and a half. He just ends up meeting better horses at a mile and a half. Um, and obviously, if this turns into the kind of race where you know they sort of they go along at three three quarter pace for two miles, um, then it's really playing into the hands of um, of the um, the three time winner again. Um, but I think the true sham will look to set a a, a um, uh, a strongish pace, you know. I think he will. He will look for the pace to be, um, to be even to start with, and then really look to crank it up because he is an out and out galloper. And that's where he will win his races. So he doesn't want to be setting this up for Stradivarius. He wants to be stretching Stradivarius from the home turn or from before the home turn. And I think that's what connections are run are, are geared up for. And if there was the ease in the ground, I'd be very confident about him. I think he's a um, a crazy pass at eight to one, unless you thought the ground was going to be good to far. <laughs> I'm with you, and uh, I'm very, very intrigued to see how this is going to play out. Um, yeah, the the ground is a slight concern for me, but it's only a slight concern, and um, I'm almost of the mindset to put him in the to- tend to follow mini game and just leave out Stradivarius because Stradivarius is. You could say he's so obvious that you kind of have to put him in. But if Trushan wins and Stradivarius gets beaten, game on. We've seen odds on shots getting beaten in this race in the past. Order of St. George was a damn good horse who got beaten in this race. Twice. At a short price. Fame and Glory came back to defend his crown. I think he was long odds on that year. And he got beaten. And it's just difficult to keep coming back as a full horse at the age of seven and get him to go. Yeah, I mean, there has, there has to be a time when, when, when you know, either wear and terror or enthusiasm begins to wear a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's the story of the week if he wins. It'll be incredible if he does it. I'll be one of the first to cheer him on. Because to win five consecutive years at Royal Ascot is, is bonkers, and to win four Gold Cups is, is just insane. You know, that's why Yates is so special. But that being said, I think Trushan was really, really good. And... He was beaten by an ill-fated, very talented horse in Anthony Van Dyke, uh, Parry Longchamp. He was pretty well held in the arc. He was awful at Ascot. He's come back with a win, but it wasn't necessarily a deep enough race. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on Trushan, and uh, I don't have much of an interest in it, on anything else. If you want to play the Toad Center Follow minigame, deadline is Tuesday, 12 p.m. Entry is €5. Euro. 50 cent per stable in Ireland or five pounds, which is actually quite fair considering the current currency conversion. So fair play toad. And a hundred percent of the pool goes all into the prizes. So 100% of what goes in toad don't take anything out. And it costs a lot of money to set up the logistics and to run this game, but they put everything right back in for you. There is also a free to play option where the prizes include, and please God, we'll be able to do this, 
2022 Ascot annual membership covering all of Ascot, excluding the Royal Meeting. Second, hospitality for two on Victoria Cup Day next year. And two Queen Anne enclosure tickets for Royal Ascot 2022 is the third prize. That's the free-to-play competition. There is potentially nice cash to be won throughout the week um, with first to 500th getting paid out. Admittedly, 500th might only be getting five pounds, but still, some nice money up for grabs there. Particularly if, like me, you've blown your 10 to follow flat team already. So Royal Ascot's 10 to follow mini game is available now. The deadline is Tuesday, 12 p.m. 100% of the pool is paid out in cash. One stable per customer with top racing prices for the free to play. You can have as many as you want um, within reason, obviously. Uh, as you build your stables for five euro fifty cent or five pounds, and best of luck to you uh, with whoever it is you go for. But Rory and I are backing Trushan. Whether Rory's going to go with him in the ten to follow is another matter entirely. Uh, the Britannia Stakes, the Heritage Handicap. This is wide open betting. Uh, air to air is currently ten to one with Sir George Borley's in tremendous form and Jamie Spencer's on board. So this could be a Jamie Spencer special again. Um, we've got Roger Varian with um, Radeborg. 12s, Belmont Avenue for Joseph O'Brien, 14s, um, George Peabody, 16s, and Horoscope, who, amazingly, Ryan Moore's jocked up on for Aiden O'Brien, is currently a 16 to 1 shot. Uh, your thoughts on the Britannia over the mile, straight mile, at Ascot, Rory? Uh, pretty horrible race to try to do um, on pick at this stage again, um, with, with um, 40 plus. Um, horses in there. I quite like. I mean, listen, almost everything at the top of the betting um, needs to be on your short list. Uh, just a bunch of improving three-year-old handicappers. Um, some of them will want soft ground. Some of them won't. Uh, one who's not proven on on turf at all, but is worth uh, worth looking at is Royal Pleasure for Sir Mark Prescott. Um, I was very impressed with his win at Wolverhampton um, late last month. He was then beaten. Uh, trying to follow up a week later at Kempton, but didn't get the race run at Kempton to suit him at all. Is much better than that. <coughs> and as a son of Kingman, is absolutely screaming out for a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he, as you know, the horses in here are like Radabar's a lovely horse, for example. But you know, he he won easily at Haydock last time out. A handicappers put him up eleven times for it. So you know, if you, once you sort of once you show a handicap what you can do, you end up going up a lot in the weights. So you're kind of looking for something that sneaks under the radar here, which is being harder and harder to do. When Sir Mark Prescott won this with Wizard King um, back in, what was it, 1993 maybe? Um, that horse got in on seven, still seven, and was rated in the 70s. You just can't do that now. You've got to be rated 90 uh, to get into the Britannia. But in saying that, you know, um, the key, the trick with all the handicaps at Royal Ascot is to be able to, to qualify for a mark with, you know, showing as little as possible. Now, when I say showing as little as possible, I don't. you can't run around the back of the field. You're not going to get a rating to get in here. But you want to be able to win on your handicap debut, for example, or get in on the basis of a maiden win before the handicap and really get an idea of how good you are. Um, and that's that's what makes the handicap so hard to unpick here. Because there's no point saying who, who's the best horse based on what they've shown, because you know that there are quite a lot of horses who are hiding a stone, a stone and a half of improvement. Um, and that's why I want to, I generally want to find horses who are unexposed. And Royal Pleasure is de- definitely unexposed in that. Although he's had two handicap runs, he's only got up four pints from his last run. 
um, and he's untried at a mile, which he'll definitely improve on. <coughs> there's one, there's one uh, further down the way who is worth putting in your trackers, what's called Isla K or Isla Kai for Nigel Tinkler. But he's number 46 on the list, so he's unlikely to get into this contest. Um, but you never know. You never know what happens. He might sneak in at the bottom there. And if he does, he'd be quite a big price. Unfortunately, again, if you if you work out the overround of this race, it's absolutely enormous. Yeah. Um, you find a horse with very little chance on paper, and it's still twenty five to one. That's that's pretty much your your right outsider's price here. And you know that you're going to get hundred to one about half these horses in this in the day. Thirty three runners for crying out loud. They can't they can't all be twenty exactly um, or shorter. So there's no value in it at the moment. Um, but those are a couple to bear in mind if you're getting twenties twenties and above. Um, you know, twenty fives and above ideally. Um, yeah, as I said, Ida K probably doesn't quite, doesn't get in this race because it needs um, thirteen uh, to to come out even to get in uh, um, uh, on the day. But he's a um, he's probably a handicapper to follow on soft ground. His two wins have come on soft, so his best chances if if the uh, if the rain is confirmed, um, at, you know, at declaration stage is going to come on Thursday and people decide they know it's going to be soft and take horses out. If, if it's up in the air, whether it rains or not, then people will declare as if it's fast round and then just withdraw on the day, which is no good if you're down the weights. So he probably doesn't get in, but stick him in your uh, tracker as a horse to, uh, to keep a, on side on soft ground. Okay, and you are siding with Sir Mark Prescott and uh, Luke Morris, currently 16 to 1, royal pleasure. Um, probe interests me at a similar price. He was beaten by Horoscope earlier this season. Horoscope has run about a million times since. Um, but the last two performances at uh, Killarney and the Stoll, I thought for Probe were, were very interesting, to say the least. So if he comes over, I'd be keen enough on him. Uh, second last race of the day, King George V stakes handicap. Is Nagano for Roger Varian and David Egan a deserved favourite, or should we be playing more attention to his stable companion title? Uh, both of them are very, very interesting. They got, again, they've got the right profile, three runs, um, Nagano... <coughs> Has won two novices, uh, and title has uh, has won a maiden and been placed in, in both a novice and a maiden. Um, and they're they're bred to improve um, from the the summer of the three year old careers onwards. So they both got very obvious profiles for a race like this. And again, here's your here's your issue pumping and handicaps at an Ascot. You 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 know if you if you trust your ability to read form, um, you know you're you're finding horses you think might be. A, couple of pounds clear um you know but you're looking you're also up against horses who you know are going to improve uh by more than that amount so you need to know how much improvement your horse has got rather than how, how well it's capable of running at this stage um never makes these races easy again mile and a half um at ascot high draws are what you need to look for they're not it's it's perfectly possible to win uh, from from a low to middle draw, um, but time and time again, the horses who are drawn high um, outperform those who are drawn low um, uh, in races like this. Particularly so with if there's a bit of digging the ground as well. Um, so again, when you see the decks for this, I, I always start from the from the outside. And if I've got a horse that I know can go forward and I know is written is trained by someone who understands Ascot and written by a jockey who, who's um, uh, who's happy to ride it that way, then I want to have those horses on side. Uh, on the other hand, a lot of trainers still think if you're drawn wide, you can't win. Um, and the first thing they want to do is cut in towards the rail and get cover. That never, literally never works. 
Um, so you, it, it usually pays to be handy. If it doesn't, then it pays to be able to move out and get a clear run on the street. Um, uh, and you can do both. I've seen, I've seen a couple of, uh, go back and watch, um, if you want to get an idea of how this track rides, go back and watch uh, the winning ride on uh, Atty Purse from Kieran Schumacher in 2017, uh, where he came from stall 22. Um, he kept wide on the track and he went hard from the start and everyone was gobsmacked that he was able to win. He was then sent off a really short price for a group race as they started with beaten out of sight. Um, but he's not really a group horse. He was just a handicapper with the perfect draw who was given a, um, a ride by a young jockey who believed he could win. Uh, similarly, um, when um, when Goldmount won this race, it wasn't called Goldmount. What, was, what was his name when oh he won God, it? God, yeah. They changed uh, it when he, went, when he was sold. Okay, he went to Hong Kong and they changed his name and then he, he's always come back and he's run here as, uh, as Goldmount again. Nope, no, no. Um, ah, damn it. I know exactly what it was. But there you go. But they even, they even changed the name in the, uh, in the race report. Um, but he, yeah, um, again, ridden by a, a reasonably inexperienced jockey in Willie Twiston Davis and drawn wide. Um, he, um, he raced up pretty much the centre of the track in the straight. And again, you, you just got to stay away from the rail. The one thing that will change this draw bias at Ascot, and I think we're, kind, we're beginning to get there now, is that jockeys realise you don't want to be crowding on, up on the rail. And they tend to fan out a bit more in the straights naturally. So those who are towards the front, um, they start fanning out themselves, which means the horses are coming from behind from wide draws, who would normally have all the room in the world um, to come up the straight. They then have to move further out or cut it inside to get a run. Um, and that's that might just be the um, the, the, the factor that, that ruins this, this wonderful draw bias that no one's noticed for 30 years. Uh, but yes, it, it's not a problem. When, when, when he won that, oh, I'm going to remember his name. I've got it. I've got it. Primitivo. 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 Uh, when he won it, he beat Planet Shoot. He was drawn in Stall 18. Um, and you had uh, the likes of the Major General drawn in 13, Paris for a console 14, uh, just behind there. Uh, when Aidan O'Brien trained, uh, saddled the first three home in this race, the winner was actually drawn in Stall 8, South Pacific. In 2019, um, but like the next seven home were drawn 14 and wider. Mm. So you know it's worth. It's not. A, it's not a case of win only the horse for the widest draw, but do your form study from the outside. Find a horse who's going to get a good position and whose jockey isn't going to try to get on the rail, at least not until the the home turn. Um, and I think if you watch Kieran Schumacher again, I don't think Addy Purse gets close to the inside until um, until um, Swindley Bottom. And it was a, a smashing ride uh, where, you know, as a three-point claimer, he had to basically believe um, what he was told by the by the trainer as to how to ride that. Um, and again, uh, there are certain trainers who will who will let the horses do that. Mark Johnson does pretty well. The Godolphin trainers do pretty well. Again, they're more than happy to let the horses run forward. Um, whereas often you'll, you'll find one that's really, that you think is really well drawn. And it's got a good chance. And the first thing the jockey does is steady the horse Ugh. and take it in behind others. Um, and that's, you know, that, that, um, that goes against your logic in going with it. That might work occasionally. For me, it, it works very rarely at Ascot. Very, mm. very rarely indeed. Um, but there's no point in backing a horse where you know the jockey's going to do that. Ryan Moore does that all the time at Ascot, for example. He'll ride loads of winners at Ascot and he's an absolutely top-class jockey. But he's one of those jockeys who doesn't believe that a high draw is good. 
So I've seen him. I've seen him on horses drawn high, just make a beeline for the inside rail. And for after, a jockey after, who's after won that. around the world, I can't understand why he keeps doing that. Yeah, and if, you know, at, at most, you know, at most tracks, it, it gets it gets um, beaten into you that you've got to take the shortest route, and people are still obsessed with saving ground. Um, and yes, saving ground is good as long as you're as long as you're always saving ground. But if you're stuck behind another horse and it's going slower than you, you're not saving ground. You're losing yeah. ground because that horse is dictating what you can do in the race. So the way you win these races on a round track is um, there's the notion that all the horses are showing improved form in, in these races. It's not necessarily true. Um, a lot of horses end up running below form because they can't express what they can do because they end up um, in trouble. They end up being stuck behind horses um, and they cannot express themselves fully. So the jockeys who win these races are the ones who realize that you mustn't be compromised by other horses. Um, and I think that's a hugely important aspect of race riding that doesn't get talked about that much. Do not let other runners compromise you. Yeah. And there are various ways of doing that. You can ride from the front. You can ride from the back. Um, you know, the, the great thing about riding from the back is, you know, again, if you if you have got the the nerve to sit three or four lengths last in a race where you know you've got um, uh, you know you've got a horse who's good enough to win that race then you gradually come out and ensure you get a clear run. Um, that works as well. You can get your horse to settle on its own, whereas if it's, if it's in company, it tends to get lit up. Um, a lot of people are obsessed with, you've got to race with cover because otherwise you're, you're using energy. Well, ideally you want to have a horse that doesn't pull when it's um, when it sees daylight. <coughs> and again, I think you see, if you really do your homework, you find there are certain trainers whose horses um, will always, um, race without over racing on their own and there are certain um stables where the horses need to have cover otherwise they pull hard uh, and once you kind of once you dot the i's and cross the t's with that you can you can narrow things down um otherwise it, form study is an absolute nightmare at ascot sometimes because you can you can work your ass off and find who the best horse is in, in a lot of these races and a you'll find horses improving past you because they're unexposed and b you'll find horses given sub optimal rides that doesn't show the best one. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Siskanani is the one I'll go with for Godolphin, um, who last won this in 2015, but had won it the year before as well. So I'll roll the dice there. Very briefly, Rory, we'll wrap up with the <laughs> final race, the Buckingham Palace Stakes over seven furlongs. Um, it's nice to see this race on the card at, uh, at 610. Uh, at this point, there's a million horses entered for the race. So uh, briefly, a race that had been taken out of the schedule after 2014, but reintroduced last year, and I'm glad that they're keeping it. Uh, who do you like? Uh, again, I would I would like the grind to have some ease in it, um, but at least it's the last race of the day, and if there's no rain in the morning, there's a chance of rain in the afternoon. And if there is, if the going turns just the soft side of good, don't need it to be hot deep, although hot deep would be fine as well. Al Dari, um has got a tremendous chance here um he's uh he's not far short of the best of these anyway he was a winner um over course and distance on his penultimate start he then really caught the eye of goodwood last time out when he was badly drawn jim Crowley rode him and from an outside draw goodwood he restrained him on the stalls and took him towards the inside um giving up quite a lot of track position and then he wasn't good enough to reel in was colin was colin who came from stall 11 by the way uh and moved went forward from the start Again, Sylvester Sue is a very good jockey for that. You've got a draw that people say is a bad draw. Well, 
if you go forward from it, if you've got the natural speed to take a position, then your draws are relevant. Um, so that's what uh, Sylvester did. Ross Collin won well. He then won again next time. Um, Aldari, who was actually drawn inside Ross Collin, drawn in stall nine. Um, and uh, uh, Jim Crowley uh, restrained him from the start, soon steadied, travelled well, plenty to do three furlongs out, good headway, kept on, never on terms, uh, says the form the form book. And really, he should have gone a lot closer than he did. He was an odds-on favourite that day, which gives you an idea of, of how well-regarded he is. Uh, he was given, he was odds-on to beat Ross Collin, giving him a stone and a half. Ross Collin, as I said, has, has won well since and looks very much a horse to follow for the horse watchers. So with digging the ground here, and hopefully a lesson learned um, by Jim Crowley, I think I'll start to stand out here. Okay. Um, I'll give a quick mention to Boardman, who I quite like, and uh, is on a... Yeah, is, he, is, Gorman, is Boardman going to run here, or is he going to run the I think they're going to run here. I he was, he was, favorite, he was a joint favourite for the World Game. And post this. He was, but I think they've... they've um... Ugh. You've asked a question now, Rory. Um, so he's twelve to one for the Wokingham, um, <coughs> and obviously you would like to think that that's where they're going to go. But he's thirty-seven, and um, whereas he'd be pretty much guaranteed to run here. Uh, I got the impression from Tim Easterby the way there was there was an interview with him. I think it was on Racing TV that this was the race that we're going to go for. So look, if he turns up here, this is where I go. Um, but. Aldari has been given such a positive mention by Rory as well. But Boardman is on my shortlist for either race. Yeah, listen, Boardman, I, 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 he was my nap on, on the uh, podcast last week, or I say last week, <laughs> two weeks ago now, isn't it? Two weeks, yep. And I got the job done very easily at, at, at Chester. That was an extended seven furlongs as well. Uh, so there was no issue with him regarding the trip. It's just that it had been quite a lot of talk about him from the walking him, and he was, uh, um, he was uh, prominent in the anti post betting for that. But yes, given that he's uh, he's proven over seven furlongs and, and extended seven furlongs on softish ground. Yeah, he's a, he's an obvious enough one. Love Number twenty three here, pretty much pretty much guaranteed he gets in as well. Yeah, guaranteed a run here, whereas he's thirty seven for the Wokingham. So, well, you know, it, it is worth pointing out with Boardman, of course, that he was he was taking advantage of a mark of seventy seven when winning in, in April, and he's now you know twenty high, twenty pounds higher than that, um, which is which is not ideal. And of course. Don't yuck my yum. Don't yuck my yum. No. We're coming. The, the, the interesting thing about, about trying him and then walking him and hoping he gets in the race, um, which is tricky, is, is he doesn't he, he would get in there with um with his old handicap mark. Because <laughs> the, the walking is an early close to Yeah, that's actually yeah, that's a good point. That's a very so good I don't point. know. I, I need I need to look there and see what um see what he actually does. He has a he's a penalty to carry, but I don't know when the Wokingham actually did close, so it might end up being only a pound difference. Your best bet for day three? Uh, well, again, depends on the weather, but if um, if there is a little bit of rain, then I'll die with my best bet. And if there's plenty of rain, then then um, I, I've had one bet. I've had one bet at Royal Ascot. I've had an each way double Altari and Trusha uh, on the basis of the rain coming because I think both of them are. Um, are, are absolutely blindingly obvious. Um, I think they end up going off short prices on softish ground, um, and you know they were eight to one and fourteen to one uh, for the race. That I thought was tremendous value, uh, and then I saw the horrible prospect of fast ground for the day, which would um, which would blow the whole thing out of the water. Yeah, bring on the rain. So hopefully, bring hopefully on that the, doesn't happen. Bring on the rain. Uh, while we're here, 
because I obviously won't be doing the final days podcast. Let me find out where dear old Boardman is. He's number thirty-four, by the way. Uh, oh, has he moved up? The, uh, the weights for the uh, for the walking him. Oh. Uh, and he gets yeah, he, his penalty kicked in from from um, the mark he had for Chester, so he'd end up being one pound lower. Okay. I don't think, I don't think that's enough to sway them. Because he gets his old, his old mark of 90, but he gets a fixed five-pound penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still saying 37 on mine. So I, I, I don't know who the... Who uh, the yeah, it's wrong. Um, a fight, time form, and racing post. Two companies enter, one company leaves. Uh, that's it. Um, just to confirm your, your best bets, your, your only bets so far for Royal Ascot are Trushan and... Uh, and I'll worry in the... Um... Uh, in the Buckingham Palace, Aldari rather than Aldari. Aldari, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, as I said, I've done I've done those in a uh, in an each way double because um, uh, that's a hundred and thirty four to one or it was at the time. And that was like that was earlier on today. That's what I'm talking um, about. I can't, I, I can't. But I mean, Al, Aldari has to be favourite for this race as long as we don't, as long you know, as as long as we don't have unbroken sunshine all the way through the week. Um, as long as the ground turns. Um, the soft side of good, even if it's just the soft side of good. Aldari, with his profile, um, four runs and, and three wins, and a, um, an unlucky third in his last start, has to be favourite for this race and potentially quite a short price favourite uh, in handicap terms. So I have to be on a 14. And uh, that, is, yeah, you're currently getting what price have you got right now? 14s? Is that what you said? Fourteens uh, at the moment, and, and as I said, Trushani, it's for the Gold Cup. Yeah. And if we get a soft brown Gold Cup, what do you think the, the price is going to be between um, Stradivarius and Trushan? Trushan's going to close an awful lot. Oh, he's going to be he's going to be three to one, isn't he? Soft brown, three to one, seven to two. I, I, I can't. He's, he's not going to be third favorite. Can't he's third. No way. No way. Not um, on soft. If it turns if it turns soft, that's subjective. That not subjective chance um, as well. So you know, he ends up. He ends up being, you know, as I said, seven to two maybe um, for that race. So I'm thinking these two could be seven to two and five to one. Um, Let's go. Let's do it. If I'm getting, if I'm getting three times those prices, I'll be very happy. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, that's it, Rory Delargy. Pleasure as always. We'll chat to you again uh, for day four of Royal Ascot, the Friday, which in our reality terms is in a few minutes. Uh, so until then, my friend, chat to you then. Marvellous, thank you. <laughs> thank you uh, for listening. Don't forget that this week, uh, and really, I can't really say for all time, but always, uh, when you're betting at Royal Ascot, you have to take advantage of what Toad are offering. Toad have been offering Tote Plus now for a number, a number of weeks. And it's up to you. Do you want to take this? Do you want to take advantage of this and and get this gravy? Or do you want to sit back and see the whirlpool with inflated pools and on top of that, a 10% boost applied to all of your winnings through Tote Plus? Now, you might be betting on Tote with an affiliate site or a partner site. doesn't count. Tote.ie, tote.co.uk, your official Tote app. You bet there, you get the guaranteed tote SP. They're guaranteed to match the SP no matter what. 
The fact that the world pool is in play with betters in Hong Kong, America, Australia, France, all betting into the pools and further afield as well means that there's going to be an awful lot of gravy there and then 10% on top of your winnings. you got to take advantage of it. It's free gravy. Reach out. Take it. Tote.co.uk, tote.ie, and the official Tote app. 10% on top of all of your horse racing bets with Tote Plus. It's there. Go take it. And particularly for this week. And Rory makes a great point. Day of race betting. It's going to be an awful lot different than the overruns we're currently seeing. An awful lot different. Um, so Thursday, yeah, of course, we could have a, a massive change in terms of prices, uh, particularly if the ground changes. But what we also could have is insane amounts of value at Tote. So tote.co.uk, um, tote.e, or the official Tote app, and the very best of luck to you. Uh, my nap for the day is Noonstar. Um, lazily going in with some like the favorite. He's got form, it's no fall. Oh, real genius over that one, Kennedy. Uh, I will mention Council, who I didn't give a, a proper mention to earlier on. Oshie Murphy for John and Teddy Gosden. Pretty sure you can get 25s. I didn't give him a proper mention earlier on. I really like Council. Um, so if he can get in to the Britannia, I would like him for a place. Not necessarily for a win, but definitely for a place. So take advantage. Tote Plus. Giving you the 10% bump. Right, that's it. Thank you so, so much. Our day four preview is coming up. Uh, more strong opinions and hopefully lots of gravy as well until then thanks for the kind words on social media take care of yourself we'll talk to you soon god bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by toast think you can't get better value think again 10 percent bigger dividends when you bet direct with toe plus at toast.co.uk